0: podcasts Spotify SoundCloud The Rustling Life
1: Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 233, it is April 30th, 2020, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week.
0: And as always, so very many things that we cannot talk about.
1: Well, we didn't do a show last week, so we figured we'd do a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects here today. How's quarantine life treating you?
0: Well... Uh I am a quote unquote essential worker, as we've discussed. I am braver than the troops. Yes. So uh my quarantine isn't really a quarantine so much as it is just I wake up, I go to work, I come home. So Yeah. Uh it's a simple it's a simple life and I am fortunate that I am still being paid and that I am Able to leave the house and not really necessarily feel guilty about it, yeah, and not sit around the house exclusively. But uh, sure, it's you know, it's a strange time for all of us, as uh, both in and out of the world of professional wrestling. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs>
1: yeah, fine. My life has changed not at all. So uh, you worked
0: from home prior to correct uh, this. So this is not a giant shift in your in your day to day.
1: Correct, exactly. I, about one year ago, I quit my part-time job that required me to leave the house. And, yeah, so I've been working at home for a year. So my life has not changed whatsoever. Except <laughs> except for the fact that when I had to run the convenience store last week, I had to wear a uh, handkerchief over my face. So There you go. Uh, yeah, that's about it. So professional wrestling continues to... Marshawn here in North America it is an essential business and as such WWE has returned to producing live to tape shows um, although their in their investors call last week seemed to indicate that they don't know for sure whether or not USA Network or Fox is going to try to claim force majeure and not pay them all of their TV money. They could not assure investors that that wouldn't happen. But the fact that they're still running shows live to tape same day. One, is kind of insane. I don't know why you wouldn't just go ahead and tape four or five at a time, <laughs> given that these shows are airing uh, on tape anyway. And two, right. it's, it's kind of nuts that... They're making people fly in every week uh, to do these empty arena shows. But hey, they're continuing, and a week from Sunday is the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which I guess is going to be shot cinematic style uh, in Connecticut.
0: I think some of it was all well, was already shot, right?
1: You know, I don't know. <laughs> so
0: believe i read that that i think at least i think one of the money in the bank matches was already filmed
1: well there you have it so climb the corporate ladder is the, is the buzzword for this pay-per-view that they're absolutely beating into the ground um any thoughts on uh empty arena wrestling oh and dynamite is aew dynamite is returning to live television next week feels irresponsible to me if there's yeah. wrestling at all right now. But it feels especially irresponsible for, for these two industry leaders here in North America to be doing what they're doing.
0: Yes, and especially because, I mean, Dynamite's been taped for, what, the last six weeks or whatever?
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Um, so it didn't seem like TNT was holding their feet to the fire. No, I, like, I understand again don't like it but you understand okay they're not allowed to just do a clip show because that probably would be that it needs to be first run programming okay fine still not ideal still feels scummy but it's like regular business tv scummy right 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 um and if you tape five or six weeks in a row and then you let people go home and they if they choose to they can self quarantine for two weeks and then have a few weeks to themselves at home before they would have to travel again to go out and film the next batch of shows. It's like, all right, again, not ideal, kind of sucks, but it's how things have to be for this industry to continue on. All right, fine. Going live, uh, as you mentioned, in an arena with no fans where it's there's no spoilers getting out, you know, like, right. Also, historically, even with tape shows where they were, where they did have fans and spoilers did get out, that never historically affected ratings in a negative way. If anything, sometimes the ratings go up. Right. Um, So I see no reason to not just bank a bunch of shows as long as it's still first run programming. uh, I don't quite see what the reason is for anybody to to try to go live but yeah i guess wwe getting themselves declared as an essential business perhaps thanks in part to vince mcmahon's wife and the super PAC that she runs uh promising to spend 18 million dollars in florida over the next uh, year or whatever um uh i guess AEW can thank them because now they can run that in that jacksonville building again right
1: yep that's what they'll be doing like it doesn't feel, it feels so unnecessary to make John Moxley drive from Las Vegas to Jacksonville, Florida, in a pickup truck to make him wrestle Frankie Kazarian for six minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, like yes. what are we, what are we doing? <sighs> Raw and SmackDown have been varying degrees of entertaining of late. Uh, I thought the Triple H anniversary celebration on SmackDown last week was... I thought there were elements of it that were extremely funny. I thought Shawn Michaels and Stephanie McMahon performed ridiculously well in that segment. Uh, and Triple H as an underrated comedy performer, as always. However, uh, Vince McMahon appeared on that show. And starting to see why maybe Vince isn't seen in public too much these days
0: kind of bidening bidening him aren't they?
1: he's uh yeah they're very careful uh even on investors calls they have three or four people on the line with him to prop him up fortunately there was no one to prop him up on television and vince can't really speak anymore he's starting to get the old man hunch over he still has a ridiculously big upper body for a 73, 74 year seventy-four-year-old man, but he has a little tiny chicken legs, and um, and and I don't know. It's just I, I don't know what to make of Vince McMahon being on TV, but um, Raw, the actual wrestling on Raw and SmackDown just got awful boring. <laughs>
0: I will say, I didn't see much of SmackDown, but on Raw, I will say, like, the stuff that worked for me is the quick, quick, snappy stuff. The Ricochet and Cedric squash match, that's fun, because it was just a bunch of moves, and it was, like, three minutes long. Right. It's like, great, do a bunch of those, and I think that's actually something AEW has done well, much as I am not (laughs) jazzed about seeing, like, my fifth sean spear squash match (laughs) in six weeks it's like throwing just breaking up rather than doing like three 20-minute matches on a show doing one 20-minute match and then a bunch of you know one or two and then doing another couple of short matches and some video packages i think that's generally the way to go I understand with 3 hours and a limited crew you just got to kill time any way you can so you can't just do 100 squashes but I I just think short and exciting and impactful like the end the end of the uh, the 6 man on on raw that set up the Apollo Cruz main event again same thing it's just a bunch of cool moves a bunch of talented guys doing dives doing big moves and you get your big finish it's like all right great that's fun and then But yeah, all the all the stuff in between is uh, it's rough. It is
1: that you know what? If I see Tahuti Miles or Caden Carter do one more job on. (laughs) It's like, how many shows do I have to see them do jobs on every week? I see them do jobs on Raw, jobs on NXT, and jobs on SmackDown every single week. And particularly Kayden Carter, it's sad because she's actually gotten really good. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, yeah. no, she's she's just the person that does jobs on TV three times a week. There is zero chance they're ever going to do anything with her now. But
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> that NXT women's division was such a bottleneck before the world ended. Yeah. But now that it is, and they just need NXT people to do jobs every week, it's like, well, Deanna's gone now, so Caden Carter's the next one up.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly, right. Well, I guess speaking of the world ending, uh, our last episode was after WWE's Black Wednesday, where they released a ton of people, and I guess some more names have come out since then. I guess Gerald Briscoe being furloughed is a big deal and he's been there forever and he still does a lot of, has done a lot of scouting for them in terms of scouting collegiate wrestlers and Mm -hmm. people that kind of wash out of NFL training camps and such. Uh, So that's kind of a big deal, but you know, it's 73 years old. I'm not sure, but that's super unexpected, but maybe the, the, I'm not sure how to categorize the Kane Velasquez release. It's it's too bad for Kane. It's hilarious, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and also, if what is being leaked about what Vince McMahon said about being sold a, a false bill of goods with Kane, if that's <laughs> accurate, I can't necessarily disagree with WWE on this one. If he undersold or misrepresented the extent of his knee injury before he signed. But also, if you're signing someone, don't you do medicals? Like, uh, anyway. <laughs> it's very confusing, and it's very funny, and I don't like seeing anyone losing their jobs, but Kane Velasquez, um, his WWE run, is one for the ages.
0: It's quite amazing, because... <laughs> and I, 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 I retweeted myself this week as on... <laughs> On the day that he lost to Brock Lesnar in two minutes um, at that Saudi show, I said, wouldn't it be funny if this was a WCW Ultimate Warrior situation and they just <laughs> brought him in to give Brock his win back and then they never use him again? And technically, he did work that one house show in Mex- in Mexico. Right. So they did use him one more time. Uh <laughs> but he never again appeared on TV after tapping out to Brock Lesnar in two minutes. Uh, so I, I'm going to claim the win on that one and uh, re- reclaim my title as the king of scoops. And, uh, and my, I, it's wild. They, especially because you just remember they killed Kofi Kingston to do that match. Yeah. And, The result was a two-minute squash in Saudi Arabia, a fake MMA match (laughs) in Saudi Arabia. And then Brock just kind of meandered for a couple months and then lost the title to Mr. Excitement. (laughs) Like, if you're Kofi Kingston, and God bless the guy, he's got a job for life, and I'm sure he's very financially secure... And he makes a lot of merch money. And he he is really, you know, he's found some great friends in the New Day. And I'm sure he's not unhappy. But he's got to look around every once in a while and be like, got myself over. (laughs) Got myself into the main event at WrestleMania. Won the world title. I was still over. I was still doing my job well. And then they just killed me. And the next week I was back as a tag team guy throwing pancakes into the crowd. Yep. For nothing. Yep. Like that's gotta like be in the back of his mind occasionally. And, and I just, I just think, I just think that that just adds like a layer of tragic humor to all of this was that the setup for Kane coming in on that first SmackDown on Fox was Brock destroying Kofi Kingston in eight seconds or whatever. Yep. And that was our big result. <laughs> yep. What a world. Yep.
1: You know, I hate to draw parallels between Chris Benoit and anyone, but in terms of getting like a lifetime achievement award in, in the form of a world championship, I feel like there's a lot of parallels between Benoit and 04 and Kofi last year. It's like they gave the title, they gave him a few month run, but you know, just the whole time they couldn't wait to get it off of them. Yes. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some some parallels to that, and maybe to Punk's first run as well. Like, mm-hmm. or like they they like well they throw it on him, and then they're like, well he doesn't deserve that, right? <laughs> and, um, and they get mad at
1: him. <laughs> right. What? Right, and also you're the world champion, and we're booking you uh, a third from the top. <laughs> right, <laughs> like,
0: right. Roman Reigns was the top guy on SmackDown, <laughs> but Kofi was the world champion <laughs> right. going on at eight thirty every every Friday night. Right, it's
1: absolutely bizarre. Uh, speaking of uh, depressing things, uh, I met Sasha Banks for the first time three years ago today. By the way, <laughs> feels like it was thirty eight years ago today. By the way, <laughs> it's just sure. It's been a long, long, long three years, man. But also they just they just kill her on SmackDown every week. Uh, <laughs> because they hate me. And, you know, I thought, well, finally they're kind of moving towards this Bailey sasha feud that they have been teasing for eight years. They're finally going to pull the trigger on it. And then all of a sudden, Lacey Evans comes out of nowhere. And uh, Lacey Evans just beats Sasha. And, uh, and is in the money in the bank match, and Sasha is not. And um, I guess it's just comforting to know that WWE still hates me.
0: <laughs> you know, that's good to have assurances in life uh, death, taxes, and WWE never ever <laughs> paying off Sasha versus Bailey.
1: Yep. Also, thought that I should mention, I guess it broke this week that uh, becky lynch is going to be on the season premiere of billions which i got a screener for on april 1st and did not watch so i could have broken this scoop a month ago <laughs> huh. but i didn't watch my screeners so i have i'm just a failure uh <laughs> in that regard but we've talked I know we've talked off the air. I don't know if we talked on the air about the possibility of Becky Lynch doing some acting. It seems like it's kind of a, it was kind of a slam dunk, and I guess here's the first uh, the first Hollywood opportunity for her.
0: Well, if you don't count The Marine 7, or whichever one she was in.
1: <laughs> Which I still haven't watched.
0: I have it on Blu-ray. I still haven't watched. I mean, if this pandemic goes long enough, we'll just do a review of that <laughs> one week. But Might as well. But uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, yeah, good. Good for her. I mean, everyone, <laughs> everyone who reaches a certain level of success in WWE should start looking at what they're going to do when they're not wrestling anymore. And yep. I don't know. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a place for her in wrestling once she once she's done. But yeah, if you can uh, make comparable money and be you know, similarly creatively satisfied and not have to take bumps all day, you know, might be worth looking into.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah. I think it is going to be very interesting when this generation, just, just say the, the four horse women generation, Reaches a certain age, what their role in wrestling is going to be? Because we've never really—it's we've never really had this before. <laughs> it's like the closest thing we had was like Trish Stratus coming back at forty-three or forty-four years old to have a retirement match, <laughs> and then we'll we'll just never see her on TV again. I guess, but I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm very interested to see what happens when this generation reaches a certain age. You know.
0: A certain age, being like thirty-four. <laughs>
1: well, you know, you never Actually,
0: know. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm poking fun. But hey, no, that that is a very interesting thing because yeah, we've never had women who have been treated as serious top acts for this length of time before in <laughs> WWE, at, at least. So, yeah. yeah, what what happens? Like, are they are they sort of protected? At the expense of young younger wrestlers, the way that the you know the top male stars of previous eras have been, or do we do we ship them up and ship them out when we feel they're they've they're past their peak?
1: I don't know. It's fair. It's going to be very interesting to see. And I know you you have taken to referring to Drew McIntyre as Mister Excitement or Mister Charisma on this program mm-hmm. for a long a long time. Yes. Bef- before his you know, before his WrestleMania season babyface
0: run. I've had a lot of nicknames for him. The least exciting member of Team Beef. <laughs> just Drew. Uh now, Bob and Baron's friend.
1: <laughs> now, let me just before I'm going to I'm going to ask you your opinion on what they've been doing through lately. I will say I'm not a fan of their boilerplate template for top babyface, which is um, smarmy asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they think every top good guy needs to be a smarmy asshole. Yes. And I don't necessarily ascribe to that theory. I think it's done more harm than good in most cases. It kind of works for somebody like Becky, and it works for Dwayne Johnson. But, okay, that's two cases in... (laughs) the last 23 years of wrestling. Maybe can we go with, uh, you know, nice guy, uh, loves his mama, loves Jesus in America too. Anyway. So I think drew is a little bit too much, uh, prototypical, their idea of what a top guy should be. But I think his charisma has actually grown on me over the last few months. (laughs) Has he made any strides with you in, in that regard as they've been giving him more freedom with his promos, letting him speak extemporaneously letting him show a little bit of his personality etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: um i'm I trying to be nice because jokes aside i don't i don't hate the guy um i think yes he is able to show a little bit more personality he's he seems like a nice guy he seems like a fella who would who you would want doing autograph signings and make-a-wishes and things like that. Um, But he's still not connecting with me as a top guy, a top good guy, top baby face type charisma. I don't don't think that's there. Mm -hmm. Um, And perhaps he will. Perhaps he'll keep growing and keep getting better and more comfortable in the role. And obviously having no fans... (laughs) uh could be good or bad for him (laughs) in the sense that he'll have an extended time where they can just decide if they want him to be a baby face like they don't have to they won't have to rush to turn him or fight the crowd if they you know who may or may not have started to boo him by now (laughs) just by law of averages um so like this is a time for them to kind of let let a top a new top baby face stretch their legs without having to worry about fighting the crowd. So, I mean, I, I, I wish him the best and I do think he's improved and being, uh, you know, being able to maybe talk a little bit more in his own voice and less in the voice of generic tough guy. Number three sure. is, is good for him. But yes, I, I think, I I would think that the most successful babyface stories in WWE of the last decade are Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. And (laughs) neither of them were smarmy Dwayne Johnson style (laughs) babyfaces. And Becky Lynch is kind of the third one. But if you remember, Becky Lynch was a heel (laughs) that they, they thought Becky Lynch beating up Charlotte and becoming Conor McGregor was a heel character decision. Um, so I don't really even count Becky as like a baby face success story because again, it was an accident. <laughs> um, whereas like, so,
1: so bad. yes. It's so there's so something I think
0: they really are. They have the worst instincts. <laughs> um, but I do think, so I do definitely agree with you that there is something to the idea of, uh, you know, a listener, a long time listener of the show will know, especially for about last year or so. I'm not a giant fan of uh, Seth Rollins, (laughs) but (laughs) when he was cutting more traditional babyface promos about how, you know, he was a bad guy and the fans willed him into being a good guy. And now he and the fans are going to fight together. Like I was like, well, that's kind of refreshing. And -hmm. like that version of Seth to me was way more interesting and likable and that's a guy I could root for, even though, again, I don't necessarily, li- <laughs> I don't like him much as a person. I can be like, all right, this is a fighting champion, and he's not trying to quip and turn phrases that only Dwayne Johnson could successfully make good. Right. Um. And there's there's something to that. I think uh, nine times out of ten, you're probably better off just letting a person be themselves. And hey, if they're if they have a little natural arrogance to them, a little natural cockiness, maybe it does make sense to go in kind of the smart-alecky, good-guy role, Uh, you know, the action hero, one-liner type of thing. But that shouldn't necessarily be the blueprint for every single (laughs) top babyface for the last two
1: decades. (laughs) Right. It was enjoyable on Raw when Drew McIntyre told Seth that he should stop talking in real life, Backstage online, he should just <laughs> he should just stop talking because every time he speaks, he has a way of putting his foot in his mouth and his head up his ass. Yes,
0: <laughs> well, so. he's not wrong.
1: <laughs> no, he is a thousand percent correct about that. Uh, speaking of bizarrely frustrating decisions made with baby faces, uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are now like this heel power trip duo couple thing on nxt and i know you in particular said that aunt Candace should quit when they uh, dubbed her the pint-sized pixie yeah well, now now well what are the new nicknames? a pint-sized she, poison
0: she or- has a shirt that says the poison pixie Yes. But then, in her 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 entrance video, says the pint-sized poison, <laughs> and I can't decide which of those three is the worst one. <laughs> it might be a three-way tie. <laughs> but uh, you know, let me just again. I'm not claiming to be as big a fan of Candice Lerae say as you are of Sasha Banks. I'm sure, certainly not. But like, this is why <laughs> I find it so terribly difficult to get the slightest bit invested in anything WWE does on any of its brands. Um, I can enjoy a lot of what WWE does or some of what WWE does on a surface level, but it is hard for me to deeply enjoy anything that WWE does because I just know always they're going to do the dumbest possible thing or Or they're always going to zig where I would prefer they would zag, especially (laughs) with characters that I really like. And so it's bad enough that she has. (laughs) And it's just and again, this nickname is not the end of the world, but it's just like a nice little cherry on the Sunday that is taking a wrestler that in my eyes is like the ultimate baby face that you could like build a division around and deciding to make her a heel with uh gray hair and nickname her the the <laughs> point the pint-sized poison pixie or the poison pint whatever i just right. it's it's yeah. not the end of the world but it is like i said it, it is the it is the cherry on top of why i get so frustrated and why I tend to only be able to absorb WWE on a very surface level at this point in my life.
1: That, that's more than fair. So, this week on NXT, Keith Lee defeated Damian Priest to retain the North American title. And for next week, we have Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair, which sounds really good, actually. Yeah. Johnny Gargano versus uh, Dominic Dijakovic, which sounds really good, and Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole for the NXT title. Boy, not a great week to be Velveteen Dream.
0: Uh, yeah, there were some <laughs> allegations.
1: Were allegations of him being inappropriate online with a young man. Who is not eighteen years of old? Not eighteen years old.
0: Is that? I don't. I don't want to play into any sort of uh, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But is that not a similar situation as to how Orlando Jordan got fired from WWE?
1: Orlando Jordan was actually bringing like a sixteen-year-old backstage okay. with him. On the, he took a sixteen-year-old boy on the road
0: with him. That's a little bit different. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but but okay. Well, hopefully, he was hacked. Yeah, and that's the end of the story, and we don't have to talk about it again. Uh, yep. But yeah, that's that's not a great, uh, not a great, not a great thing to have happened to you under any circumstances.
1: Uh, Ob- obviously, WWE must think there's nothing to it, and that those images were photoshopped because they're promoting him in a one of their world championship matches for next week.
0: So, yes. So hopefully there's nothing to that. And, uh, Hey, you know, if you're going to text pictures of your anatomy to people, just, you know, make sure they're of age and that they want to see them. I don't think that's too much to ask (laughs) just as a general piece of advice. Um, yeah, that NXT show sounds... Uh, <laughs> to dig ourselves out of this weird hole. Um, what? <laughs> uh, poor, poor choice of words. Um, uh, yeah, the NXT show, I will say, I uh, while uh, sort of... <laughs> some things I saw from NXT this week. I watched the poison pint-sized pixie uh, beat up Casey Catanzaro. Yeah. Um, they
1: found someone that Candice already could bully
0: which is like, a, which just makes me more irritated, because why is Candice the pints? There's like seven women <laughs> in WWE that are smaller than Candice LeRae, at least, at least like four or five women that I can think of off the top of my head that are noticeably shorter or smaller or more petite than Candice LeRae is. But she's the poison pint-sized pixie. Um, right. But anyway, she's she's
1: and, like she's like five, six, which is like the height of everyone there, except for Charlotte who's right. like five, ten or whatever. Right.
0: Assume, as I from Nia Jax, Charlotte and Tamina. Right. She is like of completely average height to everyone else in that division. Exactly. But she's the pint sized poison pixie for some reason. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I watched that and then I did watch the finish to the Keith Lee uh, Damien Priest match, which was very funny. <laughs> Um, so like Keith, for some reason, Damian Priest has a nightstick. That's just like a thing he has now. Yeah. And he uses it in his matches and he attacks people with it. So he goes to use it in the main event. The ref is like distracted or something. And Keith Lee looks at him and goes, no, I am limitless. <laughs> and, and then ducks the the nightstick, uh, goes to give, uh, Damien the Power Bomb stops, hands the night, gets the nightstick away from Damian Priest, hands it to the referee, and then hits two power bombs and wins. But the yeah. uh, the melodrama <laughs> of him slowly going, "No, I am limitless," will uh, will stick with me for, for quite a while here.
1: That's quite humorous. I thought AEW was a mixed bag this week. I thought there were some good promos and vignettes on the show. But I thought the two big matches on the show were Cody against Darby Allen, which is like a good 12-minute match that they stretched out over a half hour. And then Lance Archer and Dustin Rhodes, which should have been a good 4-minute match, which they stretched over 25 minutes. Like, just so much mediocre wrestling in a virtually empty building on that show.
0: Yeah. and that. Oh, my one last NXT note is that during the Sean Spears squash, I turned it to NXT to see what was on. <laughs> and it was a, uh, what's Sam Shaw's NXT name? Dexter Loomis. It was a Dexter Loomis squash. We had Sam Shaw and squash <laughs> going head to head with a Dexter Loomis squash. And I was like, this is it. This is the pinnacle. <laughs> But then, based on the weird ratings patterns of the last few weeks, one of those segments will probably end up being the highest-rated thing on either show. So what do I know?
1: Can <laughs> I tell you? I don't hate the Dexter Lumis character. I think the announcers kill it when yeah. they're out out there, like selling it in hushed tones, doing this total WWE announcer. Oh, he's so he's so creepy. He's so chilling. It's, the announcing is what kills that. It's not the character.
0: That, that's an example of, like, they just think you're so stupid that you won't understand the character if Tom Phillips isn't in your ear going, oh, it's like he's impervious to pain. It's like he likes the pain. My goodness. He's so eerie. Like, that's 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 them thinking you're an idiot and you won't understand it because you're a stupid wrestling fan. So I have we have to spell this out to you and explain that he's supposed to be a creepy, spooky guy. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, no offense to the performer himself, but yes, the presentation of Dexter Loomis does not much for me. But uh, anyway, yeah, and then I would agree with you that I thought everything went too long. I thought the most entertaining match was the best friends versus uh, the the super bad fellow and nice. uh, and his other friend. <laughs>
1: and and his roommates
0: yes um i thought that was a lot of a lot of fun because it was just a again it was fast-paced garbage wrestling and
1: i thought thought even that went five
0: minutes too long probably (laughs) but i think i feel like when you add in chairs and stuff you can it's easier to get lost in it or at least it was for me personally and you do dives and you do wacky stuff and a little bit of comedy and you get Orange Cassidy and Penelope involved. It's like, yeah, that's, that was, that was to me the most enjoyable thing from a match standpoint. I did like Cody and Darby, but I would agree that it went a little too long. Also on tape shows, how do you still have bad finishes? I don't know. Because, because like, I think they were trying to do uh, the Triple H Jeff Hardy one, Small, you know, smaller babyface hits his big move, and crafty veteran babyface crucifixes him out of the pin, and just barely ekes out the win.
1: No mercy, two thousand seven. Yes, yeah,
0: an incredible, incredible match, and Jeff should have won that night. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, but instead, it was like Darby goes to like normally pin him, and Cody's just kind of on his side. And Darby yeah. just kind of lays there with his shoulders down, but then his shoulders are kind of coming up, and it's yeah. like, just just reshoot it, dog. Like, <laughs> it's taped. Well, that's the that's a, a, and again a beauty of taping in front of no audience. If we, and all, you don't have to reshoot the whole match. Just reset that spot and fix the finish.
1: I would just like to remind you one. This is the AEW Dark kicked off this week with Tony Schiavone saying, we have three matches for you tonight. And, in fact, they had two matches on that show. (laughs) And that was not edited off of Dark. And, two, they hired a lot of the TNA production crew. So...
0: (laughs) So you think it's possible they did reshoot the finish, but they accidentally (laughs) aired the botched one? Because I think that actually happened on an episode of TNA once.
1: I would not put anything past anyone there. I just... I feel like there's there's some WCW and some TNA in the DNA of that company.
0: No arguments here. But, <laughs> overall, I think, length match length aside, the simpleness of Lance Archer beating and bloodying Cody's big brother in the setup to fighting Cody for the belt, good stuff. I liked that, and I think they can build off of that, but... I would agree with you that I thought most of the matches went a little too long.
1: Yeah. And that, that Brick Baker segment. (laughs) So maybe the best wrestling comedy in God knows how long, like I know Jericho's done some great stuff in AEW comedy wise, but that is like among my favorite vignettes ever.
0: Yes. That was (laughs) from her repeatedly calling uh, for speaking of TNA former knockout rebel uh, Reba yes to her going step by step on how to photoshop picture and just just incessantly mocking tony shivani for being fat and having bad teeth yes um she's yeah she really tapped into something here and it's funny like i don't recommend listening to chris jericho's podcast very often because (laughs) well you know he's i don't like i don't like promoting that guy but um (laughs) His interview with with Dr. Britt Baker is is pretty good, and she talked about how she had never ever been a heel anywhere. <laughs> and Ken, and then I believe I think she said Kenny Omega was the first one to talk to her about turning heel, at, like at the end of December or whatever. Right, and she just like flipped a switch, and she's like she really gave not only herself, but I think really the the whole division, especially in light of the fact that. Uh, so few women are, uh, I guess, were were there for this set of tapings. So it was hard to do much with their women's division. So having her there, not just in the wrestling, but also in the uh, in these vignettes, was really, uh, I think, a really shot in the arm. And it's and she she's phenomenal at it. Yeah.
1: Well, initially when they turned her heel, my thought was, oh god, why are they turning her heel? Not everybody has to be a heel. Blah 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 blah. But then it's like she is a natural heel mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like how has she never been a heel well i mean you know the answer is she's never been anywhere she's had like right. you know she had like less than 50 matches or whatever before she signed here <laughs> that's the answer right. it's like she's a natural heel how can you act if anyone not have just like programmed her to be a heel from the start but anyway
0: yeah, and she talked about how like she didn't want to use the "I'm a dentist" thing because like <laughs> she's like, "Well, I actually am, and I worked really hard to get there, and I don't really like." The, she's like, "I didn't like the idea of making fun of it, <laughs> but now it's like, once it clicked for her, it's like, oh yeah, this, yeah, this makes total sense."
1: All right. Well, this has in fact been a free flowing conversation that has occasionally touched on mature subjects.
0: I, I was going to say that we weren't sure that we had enough to talk about for a show this week as of about 24 hours ago.
1: Yeah, and here we are, minute, you know, 40 or whatever of this show. <laughs> so, anything else you want to get into?
0: No, I, uh, I think that about covers it. Uh, <laughs> we, we
1: never have a problem talking.
0: <laughs> no, never. Especially when we have such a, a myriad of, of fun topics from uh, Drew McIntyre promos to... Uh, uh, Trent Beretta matches. I mean, <laughs> so much excitement going on in the world of professional wrestling right now.
1: Yep. Ty Dillinger's on TV doing squashes every week. What a tender. Sure day. is. I'm surprised Peyton Royce and Billy Kay weren't released, by the way. Like, I'm not advocating for that. I like those guys, and I hope they have jobs forever. But I thought for sure, you know, if you're looking at expendable people in WWE, hello
0: yeah there weren't I guess there I mean and it's hard to say because we we probably still don't know all the NXT names that are gone true but it didn't seem like women were heavy in the cuts other than Sarah Logan felt like I guess the biggest one yeah
1: that's true alright well alright everybody Till next time I'm Ethan and I'm Liam we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling
0: life bye bye For listening, don't forget to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features.
1: And now, here's a diversion discussing the iIconics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at this. <laughs> For six years,
0: uh, you know, you live, you learn.
1: <laughs> don't go and... skiing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so those are the rules. Yep. have you Have you watched any of the uh, the Last Dance documentary? Uh,
1: I watched the first two episodes. Loved it. Have the next two on the DVR. Same. Okay. Good.
0: <laughs> I, the only thing I thought about it is like I don't love the way it's paced. Like. Because, like, I I got into it with, like, okay, this is about the 98 season. But then they like, let's take 40 minutes to recap Michael Jordan's entire career. And I'm like, well, is that relevant? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is because he's the greatest player of all time. And he deserves his own episode. But, like, it felt more relevant to do Pippin's whole backstory because it explained, you know, him signing that long-term deal because he came from a very poor family with multiple quadriplegics and he felt he had to sign for the security of taking care of his family. It's like, okay, that's kind of relevant to his backstory. Yeah. Very uh, much so. Like, and so it makes sense because then you cut, you cut forward to 98 where he's sitting out and demands to be traded. And you're like, okay, this is, this is clicking. <laughs> like yeah. this makes a lot of sense to me, but it's like, I didn't need an entire like recap of like Jordan's collegiate career, you know?
1: Oh, a thousand percent agree with you. That was my thought during this. is like this is all really good stuff and I like all that backstory stuff. Mm-hmm. but this is this is an eight hour show or whatever. Uh, if we if we're gonna just gonna you know not not cut anything and we were gonna do a 24 hour edition of this, it's like okay, yeah, we'll leave all that stuff in. but we're only doing eight hours. Yeah, show me more you know exactly exactly your point. Yes, the Pippen stuff way more relevant than the than the, you know, Jordan Jordan North Carolina stuff. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, I guess I haven't watched yet. I I, I want to know more about Phil. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like there's there's a lot uh, out there about Michael Jordan and, you mm-hmm. know, we know we know Phil is the zen master or whatever, but okay, how did this guy who was just like this, you know, good but not great player from the New York Knicks end up being, you know, this Hall of Fame coach that took two, uh, you know, two legendary uh, dynasties to to multiple championships. Like, tell me about Phil. Like, maybe and, and we'll get...
0: Like, him inspiring that loyalty, too, where oh, yeah. Jordan was like, <laughs> once Phil's out, I'm out, too, basically.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fascinating. Also... <laughs> They did, Even when this was going on, like I was, you know, whatever. I was uh, old enough to understand what was going on at the time, and it mm-hmm. still, it still didn't hit me then as bad as it hits me now. It's like they just got so antsy and tired of winning that they were like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> all right, this is it. We ain't gonna pay Phil Jackson no more. <laughs> right. We're just gonna send Michael Jordan out of here." And, and Pippin's getting old, and we'll probably get rid of him, too. It's like, mm-hmm.
0: wait a minute, you just got tired of winning? <laughs> you know what? I've made enough money.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't remember what the salary cap rules or whatever at the time. I don't think there was a hard cap in the NBA mm-hmm. um, or the cap that they ended up using uh, until the year, like, 99 or something. But you know, Jordan made thirty million dollars or whatever it was the last two years. Which, I mean, but still, it's like yeah. you—you got, you got the most marketable athlete in the history of the planet up to that point in time. Yeah, like, you can't figure out a way
0: to make money. Like that's that's pretty wild. That's insane. I think that's enough. All right. <laughs> There will be
1: no more winning.
0: <laughs> and, hey, they've lived up. My other favorite part is they're interviewing the owner, and he's like, well, yeah, Jerry wanted to blow up the team. I'm like, <laughs> you're the owner, dude. Like, if you didn't want him to do it, you could have just said no. Exactly. <laughs>
1: It's like I wish this.
0: I could have done something about the GM deciding <laughs> to fire Phil Jackson and uh, not renewing these contracts and wanting to trade this guy. And it's like, dude, <laughs> you're the fucking you're the frickin owner. Like Yes.
1: <laughs> you're right. You and you alone could have put a stop to this. Right. <laughs> You sided with the uh, 50-year-old pencil pusher instead of the greatest sure. athlete of of our lifetime. <laughs> Wild. I think you cut out. What are you doing over there?
0: Just over here living my life.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, nice. So I don't really have anything for bonus topics this week, so I just thought I'd uh, come out and ask you. Uh, do you think Joe Biden's a rapist? <laughs>
0: um... I think the allegations are credible enough that he can't not directly address them.
1: All right, that's something.
0: Um and I'm just saying if you were looking for someone that would to falsely accuse him that uh you probably wouldn't pick someone who is known as like Very pro-Bernie and also weirdly (laughs) pro-Russia. It's like... picking. It would be like the worst idea to pick that person to make a false allegation, is, I guess, what I think. And, you know, the fact that there's, like, audio of her mother calling into Larry King in the mid-90s to discuss her daughter being (sighs) assaulted by a prominent politician and neighbors... (sighs) And family members who corroborate her telling them that it happened when it happened, um yeah, I feel like there's not there's no scenario where he doesn't have to go on television and categorically deny this right, and it's that... just like what reporter has bought one will they put him in front of a live microphone, right? between now and November and (laughs) will the reporter risk potentially losing access to a Biden white house by asking that question?
1: Right. I've wanted your take on this because I've, I've done like zero reading on this whatsoever. And like, you know, for whatever reason, if there were, you know, I tend to believe most Bill Clinton allegations, uh, if someone came out and said that uh, George H.W. Bush uh, was accused of something, my gut would be not to believe it. Uh, but I have no gut feeling one way or the other on this, and I haven't, I'm haven't. very poorly educated on it, so I thought I would ask.
0: I mean, it's one of those things where, like, there's so much video of Joe Biden being weird with women, <laughs> and in some cases, like, young 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 Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. and like this is the stuff that he did in rooms where he knew people were watching him and that there were cameras that were on and recording yeah so generally i don't think it's a super tough sell right for me now again i'm not i'm not of the mind where i can categorically say yes this happened but like i said if you're if the campaign's position is saying no she's lying nothing like this happened nothing remotely resembling this ever happened he's got to come out and say that like you can't keep running stacy abrams and and all of his other surrogates out there to do it for him i try to keep on keeping on